He doesn't know quite what it is, but he knows in his heart that there is an empty place in his heart that all the money that he has can't fill, all the position and the power that he has cannot satisfy. He knows that something is missing in his life, and for some reason, he doesn't even know why, but for some reason, he senses that this man Jesus is the answer to what he's missing. coming tonight. We're glad that you all are here. If you have a Bible, you want to grab that and join me in the Word of God. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. Maybe you have a Bible app on your phone. You may want to open that up and join me. If not, that's okay too, because you won't have any trouble following along tonight. We're going to talk just a little bit about a very well-known story to probably most all of us. This is a story about a short guy that wanted to see Jesus, and he couldn't see Jesus because the crowd was real tall and he was real short. And so he climbed a tree. You probably are already guessing who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the story of Zacchaeus. This is found in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you want to go ahead and try to find that. If not, that's all right. So meanwhile, let's talk about the story of Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Let's begin with just a quick word of prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy tonight in the cool weather and the cool breeze. And we thank you, Lord, that this storm that threatened us a little bit earlier has passed by. And we just thank you, Lord, for the gift of music and the gift of just singing and lifting our voice in praise to you. We pray now, Lord, that your spirit would come in power. And we pray, Lord, that your presence would be manifested to us as we open your word and that you would reveal yourself to us. We want to see Jesus. And we pray, Lord, you would show yourself to us in your word. So Luke 19, from verse 1, the story of Zacchaeus. From verse 1, he, Jesus entered into Jericho, and there was passing through there, through Jericho. And there was there a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was very rich. So here we meet this man Zacchaeus in this town called Jericho, and we're told that he was the chief tax collector, which makes him a very much, very hated person. Tax collectors aren't too much liked even today, but in Jesus' day, they were very much hated and despised for good reason. This is now the sixth tax collector that Luke has told us about in his gospel. All six of them have come to faith in Jesus Christ and become followers of Jesus Christ, such as Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, you remember the tax collector and the Pharisee, they were praying outside the temple, and Jesus said, the tax collector is the one whose prayers was heard, and he goes home justified. So this is the sixth tax collector, and as we're told, he's the chief tax collector. And not only that, he's the chief tax collector story. Because in this story, this is one of my favorite stories to preach. In this story is encapsulated all of the gospel. This is all that we need to hear to believe and to, to be converted and become followers of Jesus Christ. This story contains everything that we need to know about conversion and following Jesus Christ. So here comes this man Zacchaeus. We're told that he's the chief tax collector, a very much a disliked and hated person. Just a little bit about how tax collection was done in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, of course, Israel was ruled by Rome. And Rome, like all governments, wanted to collect as much tax as they possibly could. So the way they went about doing that was that they let the job of tax collector go to the highest bidder. So if you wanted to be a tax collector, you would bid on the job of tax collector, and the highest person who bid got the job. And then once you got the job, you then owed Rome whatever you bid to pay them. You, you placed a bid that basically said, this is how much tax that I believe I can collect in this certain area. 
Most of the taxes in Jesus' day were collected on travelers. And so when people would travel, they would pay taxes based on maybe what kind of carts they had, how many people were in the party, how many animals they had, what sort of goods they were carrying. Whatever they could come up with to tax, that's how they did it. And Jericho was a place that was the center of four main highways of the ancient world. So there was a lot of traveling going in and out of Jericho, a lot of goods being brought in, a lot of goods being bought and taken out. And so there was a lot of opportunity for tax collection. And so if one wanted to be a tax collector, they would bid in a certain area. They would say, in this certain area, this part of this road, I think I can collect this much tax. And so they would place a bid. If they were the highest bidder, they then owed that much money to Rome. And then the way that they made money was however much they collected above that, they kept. They had, in exchange for that, they had the authority to collect all the taxes that they could, and anything above what they owed to Rome was theirs. So you can see already that the system was based on corruption. The system was based on thievery. It was based on greed. It was based on strong-arming. It was based on the lowest, most immoral of people being able to extract as much as they could from people. And so from the start, already, this is a problematic system. Now, this man Zacchaeus, not only was he one of these tax collectors, but he was a very successful tax collector because we're told that he's very rich. And we're also told that he's the chief tax collector. So he was very good at what he did. He was very good at extorting money from people. He was very good at extracting the maximum amount of money that he could from people. So I don't know about you, but I sort of had this picture in my mind of Zacchaeus back from Sunday school, sort of this this nice little cute short guy that just wanted to see Jesus, but he just wasn't tall enough to see over the crowd and just bless his heart. You know, he climbed this tree because he just was this cute little short guy that wanted to see Jesus. If that's the picture that you have of Zacchaeus, you should leave that behind tonight. Because Zacchaeus was a mean, nasty thief of a man. Zacchaeus was someone that you didn't want to mess with. He was successful at what he did, and what he did was twist people's arm to extort as much money as he could from them. What he did was back people into a corner to get as much as he could from them. Zacchaeus was not a nice guy. He was a nasty sort of fellow. If you tangled with Zacchaeus, you would probably come out on the losing end. So that's the picture that we should have of Zacchaeus. In my mind, I'm thinking like Marlon Brando from The Godfather, you know, make you an offer that you can't refuse as you're traveling by his road. So this is this man Zacchaeus. He's wealthy. He's a tax collector. He is the most hated of all. The tax collectors in Jesus' day, for good reason, they were hated by everybody because not only did they treat the people in this way, that they extort the money that they could from them, but they were also one of them because Zacchaeus, of course, is a Jewish name. Zacchaeus was extorting money from his own people. So he's very much hated, but he's also very wealthy. So there was this man named Zacchaeus, verse 2. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So here's this man, Jesus. Jesus is at the peak of his popularity right now. Jesus has been traveling around for for three years, healing people, casting out demons, cleansing lepers, multiplying food, calming storms, preaching and having his words change people's lives. He's been doing this now for three years. And Jesus could not possibly be more popular or more famous than he is right now. The crowd that is following Jesus is absolutely immense. He is the most popular person in Israel. So here comes this man, Jesus, and Zacchaeus hears that he's coming to Jericho. He just happens to be coming to the place where Zacchaeus is. And Zacchaeus feels in his heart that he has to see him. So Zacchaeus has basically everything that this world has to offer. He has money. He has power. He has position. You don't mess with Zacchaeus unless you want to get hurt. Zacchaeus buys what Zacchaeus wants to buy. 
He does what he wants to do because he is the chief tax collector. He's got basically all that this world has to offer, but he's still missing something and he knows it. He doesn't know quite what it is, but he knows in his heart that there is an empty place in his heart that all the money that he has can't fill, all the position and the power that he has cannot satisfy. He knows that something is missing in his life, and for some reason, he doesn't even know why, but for some reason, he senses that this man Jesus is the answer to what he's missing. He's heard about his teaching. He's heard about his miracles. He's heard about the parables that he, that he tells. He's heard about this man Jesus, and he feels that for some reason, inexplicable to him, he just has to see this man Jesus. He is compelled to seek out Jesus. And so he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not. So this is now the third story in a row that Luke has told us about someone who is seeking Jesus, but something prevents them from coming to Jesus. Just a little bit ago, Luke told the story about the children who wanted to come to Jesus, but the disciples kept them away. They said, no, no, Jesus is for adults. But Jesus overcomes that and brings the children to himself. Then we hear the story of blind Bartimaeus who wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't see Jesus because he was blind. And so Jesus overcomes that as well and heals him, restores his sight, so that he is now a Jesus follower. Now this is the third story of someone who wants to see Jesus, but is prevented from coming to Jesus or seeing Jesus. This time it's the crowd that's too tall. And so Jesus overcomes this. There just happens to be... This tree that's going to be just at the right place. So on account of this crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. He was a short little fellow. So verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. So he ran, he runs ahead. Now in Jesus' day, men, Jewish men, thought it beneath them to run. It was beneath their dignity. It was, it was a, a matter of pride. If you were a Jewish man, you did not run. And the reason for that was because in that culture, men just did not show their ankles. It was considered shameful for a man to show their ankles. In fact, you, you know, uh, the, the type of dress, the style of dress was these long robes that would cover all of their legs and their ankles. Well, the word that, that's the word, the Hebrew word for a man's robe literally means that which covers my shame. So it was considered shameful for them to show their ankles. But notice here that Zacchaeus is so compelled to see Jesus. He's so compelled to find Jesus that he just puts dignity aside. He just lets his dignity go. He lets his his pride go. He doesn't care what people think of him. This is a picture of a person that God is seeking. A person who is God has got a hold of their heart and is drawing them unto themselves. And nothing is going to stop Zacchaeus from coming to see Jesus. Not any sort of cultural norm, not any sort of social etiquette. He runs to see Jesus. You think of the the father of the prodigal son who, out of love for his son, runs to embrace his son. The same thing is going on here. Out of just this drive inside his heart to see Jesus, he doesn't care what people think. He runs. And then, if it's considered shameful to run, think how shameful it must be to climb a tree. So now he climbs this tree. Must have had a low-hanging limb. So he climbs up this tree into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So Jesus just happens to be in the right place. Zacchaeus just happens to hear about this. There just happens to be just the right tree for Zacchaeus to climb so that he can now see Jesus. Of course, all of that is not at all how the story goes. This isn't chance. This isn't good luck on Zacchaeus' part. This doesn't happen to be a tree in the right place. God is seeking Zacchaeus, and he has been seeking Zacchaeus since before Zacchaeus was born. And God has planted this tree in just the right place at just the right time. And Jesus has come here at just the right moment because he has an appointment with Zacchaeus. So when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, 
Zacchaeus. Jesus is the most famous person in all of Israel. His popularity is soaring right now. Zacchaeus is probably the most hated man in Jericho. And here comes Jesus. Zacchaeus only hopes to get a glimpse of him in the crowd. And the next thing that Zacchaeus knows, Jesus is standing at the base of his tree, looking him in the eye, and he speaks his name. Zacchaeus. It's a wonder that Zacchaeus doesn't fall out of the tree at that point, right? Zacchaeus. Hurry. I don't think Jesus needs to say that. Hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. This has nothing to do with chance or good luck or good fortune or anything. This has everything to do with a man who's missing something in his life and he thinks that he's seeking after God, but really God is seeking after him. And Jesus says plainly, this is, this is said, this is an appointment. I must go to your house. This has been determined long before you were born. I must go to your house. I must stay at your house. Now this word stay that Luke uses literally means to loose one's clothing. So Jesus is not just going to Zacchaeus' house for refreshments. He's going to stay the night. He's going to spend some time in his house. And he's going to stay there with him. And a change is going to come over Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. That means he took him to his house, received him into his house joyfully. And then when all the people saw it, they all grumbled because the world does not like it when Jesus brings sinners to salvation. So they all grumbled and they said, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood. Now, right there, some time passes. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house. Some time. Maybe this is even the next day. But the next day, perhaps, Zacchaeus stood. Now, the word that Luke uses for stood or stand there, when, when we say stand in English... We can mean two things, right? We can mean the position that I'm in. I'm vertical and all my weight is on my legs and my feet. I'm standing. But we can also mean it metaphorically, right? Like we take a stand. Like we resolve to make a change. This is who I was. This is who I will now be, right? We take a stand. This is the position that I take, right? We can mean it literally or metaphorically. But in the Greek, this word only has one meaning. It only has the metaphorical meaning. In other words, Zacchaeus may have physically stood up, but what Zacchaeus really did was he made a decision. He planted a flag in the sand, so to speak. And he said, from this point on, that's the man I was. This is now the man that I'm going to be. You see, God has been seeking for Zacchaeus' heart all his life. Jesus came to Jericho to meet Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would never have known Jesus had Jesus not sought him out. But at the same time, even though God sought out Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus still needs to make a decision. He still needs to make that resolution in his heart, and he still needs to say, that is done. I'm done with this. I'm changing right now. This is who I now am. So he, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now we could take a look in the Old Testament, and we could see here that what Zacchaeus says to Jesus that he's going to do goes way past what the Old Testament law says he has to do. In other words, Zacchaeus has received new life from Jesus. He has received a new heart. He has received conversion from Jesus. 
And now his only thought is, how much can I do? You remember the rich young ruler? Just a couple of chapters ago in Luke's Gospel? He too had all the money that the world had to offer. He too had everything the earth had to offer. Yet he too was also missing something in his life. Then he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do? And Jesus says to him, you know, I see in your heart that you love money and you love your stuff. Leave it for me. And you can't do it. And now here is Zacchaeus standing and saying, fourfold, I restored fourfold, and I'll give half my money to the poor. There's no evidence that Jesus even told him to do that. What's the difference between Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler? The difference is that Zacchaeus has a new heart. And now obedience to the commands of Christ are not burdensome for him. They are a joy for him now. And he joyfully says, what can I do? I restore fourfold. Now you know why he only gives half his money to the poor? Because he gave the other half away, restoring what he had stolen. Jesus is going to leave Jericho and go to Jerusalem, and one of the followers that's going to follow him to Jerusalem is going to be Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is going to be penniless. But he'll be richer than he's ever been. So he gives it all away and he does this joyfully. What can I do to serve the Lord? The commandments of the Lord are not burdensome to those who have received new hearts from Jesus. You know, I like to think of it like a balloon. Imagine for just a minute if I were to hand you a balloon. And I were to say, your job is to keep this balloon off the ground. And if you keep this balloon off the ground, then your eternity is secure. But if this balloon touches the ground, then you are doomed for eternity. Now, keep this balloon off the ground. If you were were given the task of keeping that balloon off the ground and your eternity depended on that, would it not make a world of difference what was in the balloon? If I gave you a balloon that had my breath in it, you're doomed. But if I give you a balloon that's filled with lighter-than-air helium... Not fail. That is the difference between the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has now received a new heart, and the commandments of the Lord are a joy to him now. And so he joyfully gives everything away and follows Jesus as the richest, penniless man that he's ever known. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That was Jesus' purpose. Jesus didn't come to reform the Jewish religious system. He didn't come to be a good example for us. He didn't come to tell us some really nice parables that we can tell. He didn't come to amaze us with some miracles. Jesus came to seek and to save lost people. And one of them was Zacchaeus. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' tree. And he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you can come down from your tree. Because in a few days, I'll be in Jerusalem. And I'm going to be put on another tree. And because I'll be put on that tree, you can come down from your tree. You see, we should think of the tree that Zacchaeus climbs as his human way of getting to God. Zacchaeus knows he needs something. He knows that he needs God. 
And his way of coming to God, his way of trying to see Jesus, as it were, is to climb this tree. So we can think of that as his human effort to come to God. And Jesus will say to him, you can leave that tree because I will be put on another one and I won't come down from that one. Because I will be put on a tree and I will be left there until I'm dead. And I will pay for every shekel you have ever stolen, Zacchaeus. And I will pay for every lie you have ever told. I will pay for every adulterous thought you've ever had. I will pay for every wicked, sinful deed you've ever done or every immoral emotion you felt. And because I will do that, Zacchaeus, you can come down from your tree of human works righteousness. So the question I'll leave us with is where are you? Because you see, all of us are either in one of two places. All of us are either clinging to our own tree or we're hurrying down from that tree because we have heard the voice of Jesus saying, come to me. I've gone to the tree for you. Now you can come down from yours and you can come to me. So all of us are either clinging to that branch or we have left the tree and hurried to the vine. The vine who tells us, I am the true vine. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Pray with me now. Gracious Father, we are nothing in your sight but sinners until we are clothed with the full, complete righteousness of Jesus Christ, who lived the life that I should have lived, who did the things that I should have done, who loved people the way I should love people, who thought of others the way I should think of others, who loved the Lord his God above all things like I should love the Lord my God above all things. Yet I don't and I never have. But Jesus came in my place and He did all those things for me. And He says to me, come down off your tree and follow me. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Truth That Transforms with pastor and Bible teacher Jason Wilkerson. Truth That Transforms is the daily teaching broadcast of Disciples Fellowship Church we invite you to visit our website where you will find more resources to help in your journey of discipleship. You can find us at www.disciplesfellowshipnc.com or connect with our Facebook page at Facebook slash Disciples Fellowship NC. Truth That Transforms exists to glorify Jesus Christ through the teaching of His sanctifying and disciple-making word.